Hi, it's Rainer G with the Holistic Health Hotline. We have a lot of things to cover today. It's Friday. It's um, the witching hour in October, so expect the stock market to go down probably a couple hundred points or pretty close to it, if not a full head crash. But I don't think it's time for the crash yet because um, Timothy Geithner this afternoon is asking for trillions of dollars in bailout money to be put under the executive branch um, instead of Congress, so that they can at any time bail out whoever they want for as much money as they want with no limits. I hope you're going to get on the phone about that one. I hope you're um, at least <laughs> calling your own senators and congressmen, if not every single one in the whole country, because the stuff that's going on with the the, the rapid deterioration of... Uh, of our resources, our financial resources, the destruction of our Constitution, the um, the conference is coming up in December, the the um, Copenhagen Conference on Climate Change, which, if Obama signs this treaty, will sign away our sovereignty, is something that you all need to be aware of, and you need to be doing something about. When we lose our sovereignty under this conference, under this treaty. If uh, Congress ratifies it, and with all the radicals in Congress, you just never know. Um, that means that the UN and all the other countries are in charge of us. But what it also means, which you, which you may not understand, is a massive redistribution of any wealth that's left in the United States. So, so uh, the end of October, we have Geithner asking for trillions, which we don't have. Um, to be put under their control in the White House, which is not supposed to happen. There's a separation of powers that is supposed to happen in Washington, which is, is yeah, t being totally obliterated. And you have this conference coming up um, December 4th or 6th or something like that. Uh, I don't think the vote is until the 15th, but... <clears throat> It doesn't matter. You know that our president is already broke constitutional law by becoming the president of the National Security Council. Read Article 4. Um, he's not allowed to do that. He can't hold two offices at once. So he's, I mean, it's treason when you do that. That, that would be like, you know, name any president that you liked becoming president of um, Russia. Can he do that or she do that? No. Nor should they want to. But But he did. And nobody said a word about it. And now that he has been president of the Security Council the, um, uh, in the U.N., the U.N. definitely wants control over America. They are very anti-American. And they would love it if we signed a treaty and signed control over to their forces um, so that we can pay for all of our dire mistakes of living in this country all these years. That's exactly what it's for. It's reparations. Uh, our wealth, any of our wealth, would go to all these other countries who never contributed to um, uh, the carbon footprint because they didn't have all the, the industry that we had, and we, we're the ones who destroyed the planet. First of all, you know, you all know me. I am a holistic health person. I'm part Native American, and I've been around the block a few times. <sighs> CO2 is a natural part of living. It's like water and sunshine and oxygen. We exhale CO2 so that all the plants around us can breathe. If we didn't, and there wasn't any CO2, the earth would not be green. So you environmentalists out there who believe that our breathing is killing everything, learn your science. Um, and the plants that we help to grow, you know, when they breathe, we get our oxygen. It doesn't just come from God from straight up in the air. There's a lot of other things in that air. So we need the plants. The plants need us. And, and we need CO2. Global changes in temperature don't come from CO2. 
maybe 1.0011% of 0.001 does. But changes in temperature come from the sun. That big light beam that's up in the air, that giant energy ball that's electromagnetic and hot. But it's really the electromagnetism that causes the different droplets to form within oxygen um, atoms and and, and carbon dioxide atoms that cl- cause cloudiness for cooling and cause rain so we have more rain, more water. Um, learn your science, people, before you believe any of this stuff. Now, the good thing is is that pe- the word is out that Americans um, might not be believing in global warming anymore, especially the ones up north that are freezing and scraping global warming off their windshields. Uh, that's a good thing, but you have to let all your so-called representatives no you notice I use the word so-called um, I don't know if you if you heard this yet but one of Barack Obama's papers from Columbia his thesis came out uh, just five pages of it because they won't show the whole thing but but part of the first paragraph is regarding the so-called founding fathers now that's what they're being taught in schools today in colleges and also many of our armed forces people and um, Security people like policemen are being taught, uh, especially the FEMA police and the Green police, they're being taught that the founding fathers were terrorists because <laughs> because they they uh, met in secret and in many times and they had to hide sometimes um, because they wanted to stop the tyranny of King George. So they were traitors and they were they were terrorists. That's what they're being taught in school. Well, I'll tell you. Um, I made a decision yesterday, and I'll tell you that decision in a few minutes. Um, But it's all based on all these things you've been hearing from me and from others for so long now. I have been talking about these issues in relationship to holistic health for two and a half years. That's a long time. And um, instead of seeing things get better, I have seen positive things. I mean, I've seen people finally waking up. I've seen people learning things and getting educated and marching and um, and expressing themselves and making decisions that they hadn't made before. I've seen people who fought me and fought me tooth and nail, saying I was being mean and, and callous and hard-hearted and not like they knew me as being because they always thought that I was a a person who came from the heart, coming back now and saying, I guess you were coming from the heart, and realizing the, their folly in, uh, in how they voted, how they thought about things, how they, how they made a lot of mistakes. And, and I knew they would, and I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would come back. Um, and I think I said that at one point, maybe last October, November, whenever. I said, I, I know you're going to have buyer's remorse and you'll come back. And it happens every time. Um, so I see good things there, but I've also seen, I've seen and heard and understood some of the worst things that I never thought I would see in my country. Um, just massive power grabs, um, an agenda that is leading totally to a totalitarian world government. And this is not Alex Jones speaking. This isn't, you know, the 9-11 truthers and the, and the whatever birthers speaking. This has nothing to do with any of that. It's, it's, it, what it is is being educated. It's learning what goes on with the people around you. Um, so put it down to that. Let's bring it down to a more personal level. If you have a lot of friends, or, or not, or a few, doesn't matter, you have a friend here or there, and the reason that they're friends of yours is because you both like 
you all like or you both like the same movies or the same books or you watch the same TV programs or you really, you know, like a certain person on television or the music that you listen to is the same or you always end up at the same bar or the same restaurant or you work together and you like your job. That's how you make friends. This is, it's called, you know, being social and sociable, um, able to be social. And, and you have things in common with them. And, and then you run into somebody who wants to be part of your, your group or your clique or your, or, you know, whatever. But they don't do anything the same as you all do. They don't read the same books or, or like the same movies. You like, you know, mysteries and they like comic books. Um, you like to go see action adventure movies and they want to see cartoons. And so you try, you try really hard, um, sometimes. And other times you just say, you know, I'm not going to call that person back because I, I just have nothing in common with them. So then you think about what happened over the last couple of years where you learned about the people who were in Barack Obama's life. Um, from from radical communists to Maoists to just leftist radicals to, to um, people who were members of the Democratic Socialists of America who supported him, who endorsed him in Illinois. He was part of the new party, which was the Communist Party in, in Chicago. And Chicago politics is thuggery uh, from the beginning to the end. But um, So you knew all that stuff, and you said, well, that, he couldn't possibly have anything in common with any of them. He's different. <laughs> well, you're starting to see some of those things come out. Um, it, in the Communist Manifesto, it basically... And that's Karl Marx. Um, and then Mao's little red book. Basically, what they'll tell you is is that uh, they care about themselves first because they're the elitists because they're making the changes. Cass Sunstein actually said once that, um, that we should redistribute the wealth. And when someone said, well, what about your wealth? He said, but I'm making the changes so I deserve to live better. That's the elitist um, ideology, which we're seeing in America, which has been around for a long time. It's not, you know, nothing new. What's new is that it has been allowed to invade and pervade our government, which has always been a more centrist kind of government that took into account that there were people out there who were left and far left and right and far right, um, because that's the American melting pot. That's the diversity in America that's automatic because we we weren't indigenous. Um, we came here as immigrants like my grandparents did. So there, there's always been diversity and, and conflict. Um, but the conflict wasn't even bad. I mean, after the revolution and after the Civil War, when we finally started straightening things out, remember, we're a young country. I mean, we're only a couple hundred years old. Um, Plus nine, and, and, uh, or whatever it is, 17, 17, 18, 19, 20, so about 300 years old, okay? <laughs> I can, I'm not gonna do the math, it doesn't matter. But we're young compared to Europe and Asia and, and parts of the globe that have just been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This place was here, but Americans weren't here. So we were young, so yeah, we had conflicts. We had the Revolutionary War to set us free. And that was the most important thing that happened to the world. Because ever since then, the world has looked toward America as the place of freedom, the place of liberty, the place of opportunity, the land of milk and honey, the place to go to if you want to escape tyranny, if you want to escape hardship and slavery, if you want to escape slavery, you would come to America. Um, 
if you want to see innovations and use your creativity and watch what happens with inventions and and um, and make money and help others make money because you made money so you can start a business you can start a, a multitude of businesses and hire thousands and thousands of people so they don't have to um, work in a rice paddy or just have a little garden out their window and that's all they have or die of starvation or whatever you you have all those things that's what America has been this beacon to the whole world. No wonder everybody wants to come here. No wonder we had to say, yeah, you can come, but you have to agree that you want to be an American. And what that means is that you're going to learn what the Constitution, Declaration, and the Bill of Rights are all about. Um, you're going to learn the history of America, and you're going to take a test to make sure that you know what America is about, and you're going to learn the language of America. And then, and then, once you do all those things, you'll you'll be ready to take on the obligation and the duty of being an American, which is the hardest job in the world. Many are failing at that job. Many have been fired from that job. It is the hardest job in the world to be an American because it means taking on the responsibility of supporting freedom in the face of tyranny and oppression, of supporting the different freedoms like freedom of speech in the face of a fearful, tyrannical government that may tell you you're not allowed to speak unless you agree with me. It's knowing that you can and should bear arms so that if your republic, if your nation needs defending, you are ready. If it needs changing, you are ready. If you are attacked or your family is attacked, you are ready. It's knowing that we have um, a press corps that should, <laughs> under the Constitution, be there for the people, not for the state. It's to keep the state in check. It's to make sure that no matter what the executive branch or the judicial branch or the legislative branch is doing, that there is somebody who represents the people to ask them why, how, where, who, and when. Those are the questions. They are called news people. The word news itself, N-E-W-S, is north, east, west, and south. They're supposed to cover all the bases. You're not supposed to block people out in the government, especially the executive branch, has no constitutional right to say, we're not going to talk to you, we're going to talk to the others. Um, anyway, it's this very hard obligation, and people don't take it seriously. It's not easy being an American. It's, it's a tough job. I mean, you have to stand your ground. You have to know what freedom means. You have to understand how the Constitution was written and where people were coming from when they declared themselves independent of a monarchy and a tyranny. You have to know what it means in your heart to, to make a decision that you will die for the country that you love. Um, many have been fired. Many never showed up for work. And the, those who have, have spent countless hours over the past couple years especially trying to educate those who, who, ref, who either refused to be educated or couldn't find the time, were too busy. Um, too caught up in their own little worlds to see what was going on in the world around them. They've spent a lot of time. There's a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm in a lot of different groups and networks um, 
and I'm not active in all of them. I'm not super active in, in any of them, probably, as <laughs> um, I'm busy enough as it is. But I but I make sure that I stay connected to a lot of different people from a lot of different places. And they're all spending just countless hours trying to educate as many as they can, trying to reach out to people and say, look, here are the facts. Here is who this person is, that person. Here's what they've done. Here's what they haven't done. Based on that, how do you feel about that person being in charge of your grandchildren's lives? How do you feel about these people taking control of all the money you worked all your life for? How do you feel about that group knowing where they came from, who their friends are, what they read, what they believe in, what they've done and what they haven't done? How do you feel about them being in charge of your life and your death? How do you feel about that? Well, a lot of people who take the job of being American seriously uh, don't feel good about it. <laughs> and, and you all know, after listening to me, I've, I've been on the air now for, what, five years, six years, probably close to six now, with all the different things that I've done. And um, and sometimes I only talk about health, and sometimes I only talk about Christmas. And, you know, the Christmas podcasts are, are some of the most popular because I'm on every night, and we, and we do get into the emotion of Christmas. Um and sometimes I just talk politics, and sometimes I just talk. And, and you know what? It's all connected. Because I have seen around me people who are so stressed by what's happening to our country, whether it's the fact that they've lost their businesses, their pensions, their total income, um, whether they got sick and know that they don't have insurance or that they don't want insurance, whether they're, you know, 85 or 16 and, and don't understand what's going to happen now with retirement funds that they paid for for 60 or 70 years. Um, the stress is causing weight gain and heart palpitations and headaches and, uh, and tumors and cancers and everything you can think of because the body will absorb all those energies from your emotions and your mind. And so I watch it go on constantly around me and I, and, and it's, it's all affecting your health. And that's why I tell you the holistic health, when I come from a global and Native American perspective, that means that everything that's happening in this world is associated with holistic health. I had um, somebody respond on a comment sometime last week. I, I was talking about the swine flu vaccines, and it was right after, I think, the last podcast or sometime like that. And uh, and I said, don't. if you If you are thinking in your mind or your gut that this isn't good for your children, then go to the website and look up Vaccines 2 and the Vaccines page. Um, read my books. I mean, I, I put in a lot of time doing the research for years and years. Read the books and then make a decision. And they came back at me and said, well, of course you disagree because you're a holistic person and holistic people don't understand science. <clears throat> Well, I'll go toe-to-toe with anyone who's been through as many years of college as you want in any science, any science. Because what people don't know about me is, yeah, I have a double degree. And I didn't pursue a master's or, or a doctorate because I knew too many people with master's and doctorates who were dumber than the guy next door who, who never went to high school. Um, because they got so caught up in, in the, the ideology of of college and being the professional gradual student, like they used to say in, in the world according to GARP, um, that they they lose touch and have lost touch with the world around them and what reality is. And so I never pursued that, but 
I went back to school many times. I mean, I taught at university levels um, in several different places, and and once in a while, I I I never took college level calculus, so I went back to take it to see if I could do it, and I could. And I went back to take chemistry and biology because I wanted to see if I could do it. And the only thing about biology was that I'm I'm just I'm I'm so non unable to deal with toxic air and gases and fluids that when I'd go into a biology lab and they had um, uh, all that stuff there that they preserve the frogs in. <laughs> I forgot the name now, but whatever. When they had that there, I I, I I would pass out because I just couldn't handle it. And then everybody else was just getting put to sleep and didn't care. Um, so I couldn't stay in that, but it didn't matter because I had my degrees already. I just wanted to see if I could do it. You know, it's like the other things that I've done. I just wanted to see if I could do it and, and knew that I could. Um, it wasn't this yes you can or yes we can thing. It was I have to learn what my limits are, what my boundaries are, what my capabilities are, my strengths and my weaknesses. Um, using even those words, strengths and weaknesses, will take you back to communism because they want you to capitalize on strengths and destroy the weaknesses. And I always felt as a manager and, and um, person who was in charge of a lot of people at some times in my life, um, it, it didn't just capitalize on strengths and destroy the weaknesses. I actually turned it around the other way and said, if you have a weakness, like you're afraid to make a phone call, we're going to work together till you're over that fear and you're not afraid anymore. And if your strength is um, leading people in group discussions, then what we're going to do is see if sometimes you can be in the group without leading them because that causes more balance in your life and it <laughs> it makes you learn more. And uh, and I never had any problems as a manager or vice president or regional director and trainer, nothing, with people learning those things and feeling good about themselves. Um, so I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any, any person who wants to come at me about holistic health in relationship to science because science began with the earth and with God. It didn't begin with your textbook or in your lab. It began with the earth and with God. God provided the science, and it's all around us, in all the plants, in all the food that we eat, in the air that we breathe, the water we drink, and the animals that are around us who provide messages and comfort and um, and alerts and communication. They've, they're all around us. That's science. And you can break it down. That's what scientists did to find out what vitamin C was. Okay, do you know where vitamin C came from? <laughs> the vitamins were named alphabetically when we became more nomadic, before we even got here actually, when people from Europe became more nomadic, people would get sick. They'd arrive at a different longitude and latitude, like America or, or New Zealand or Australia, and they'd have scurvy, for instance. And there wasn't any medicine around, there was the earth. So the doctors or the people who, who um, were to tend to the others who were sick would find plants and and try to feed these people until they found something that worked and they'd find something you know a certain green plant that worked and and keep that in their little pouch and then they'd go somewhere else and they'd look at other plants and they'd find those plants and they'd keep them in their pouches and when they did get to a point where they could analyze chemically and biologically what was in those plants they'd find common ingredients a common bond a common chemistry and as they found that and saw that all these things were chained together exactly the same way they would label it A, B, C, D then they found some B's that were interesting because they all had the same bond but one little ion over here well, that's B1 and this one had three little ions that's B3 
And if they used that one instead of this one, it did different things for the body because it, it just seemed to do that. Well, that's how the chemists and the biologists understand it. The way I understand it is beyond that. I understand the biology and the chemistry, but I also understand the frequency of energy and how that changes what goes on in your body. Um, it's not just supplements. That's also with the swine flu and the virus. Um, the vaccinations, uh, which I tell everybody, don't get any, if any, and don't give your kids any, because you don't know what's in them. If you looked at what they, what was in them, you'd get sick. You know, we have to have lots of abortions out there because one of the things they put into the swine flu virus is the, is some portion of the placenta of an aborted baby that has a certain cell in it, and that's what you're being injected with, and that's what your kids are being injected with. That's not science, and that's not God in the earth. Sorry. I don't think so. Now, women did used to, when they had children, um, place the placentas in the ground and use the nutrients from that placenta as, um, as compost, basically, so that they could grow really good vegetables. At least they believed it did, and it probably does because it's very nutrient-full. <clears throat> but um, this is, that's, not what's, that's not what's in the vaccinations. So I will go toe-to-toe with anyone um, regarding the science. I want to just just read... Um, something from book two, because I guess I felt, feel like people need to hear it. Um, because the future of healthcare in America needs to be addressed. Whether this healthcare bill, which shouldn't pass, passes or not, we still have a problem with the FDA, the EPA, the AMA, um, the people, the czars who have put, have been put in charge of our science, who have the weirdest and most radical, awful, tyrann- tyrannical concepts of, of depopulation and, um, just all kinds of stuff that they want to do to us and, and put and put the green police in charge of our lives, that we, that we, we do have a problem. Um, the Native American approach to health and wellness is, is kind of standard to us, and it's, emph- it's emphasized everywhere we go. Uh, you know, a lot of my readers have asked for specific remedies and cures because of their training and looking for the quick fix for any ailment, but we won't follow that road, not to make money, not to sell books, not for any reason. Because finding the cause is the main key to health. That's what book one explained. Um, the book two is supposed to empower you to create the harmony and balance that you need without seeking miracle cures. I'm not a healer. I've got a range of training and experience that few have had the privilege of attaining. I learned earth medicine from Seneca grandmothers and studied with Bernard Jensen and Deepak Chopra before they became well known. I jumped at the chance to enter any course or school that furthered my understanding of alternative health and modalities and waited for schools on reflexology, massage, craniopathy, kinesiology, explored any avenues that would enhance my ability to help people. As a child, I was told to keep my knowledge sacred and to share only the gifts I was given or born with. An uncle taught me telekinetics and animal communication, and an Iroquois friend of the Mohawk tribe taught me my roots and connection to the Delaware Indians. When I was very young, I thought I should be a doctor, and an aunt encouraged me by providing medical books suitable for my age. I knew the names of all the bones in my body before I was in second grade and I spent countless hours mesmerized by anatomy, chemistry, physics, electricity, and the power of community and love. My spirit was boundless, but my finances were limited. Medical school was not an option, and I would later realize I was being guided away from traditional approaches to education and life, and that my path would be a journey unlike most others, that the gifts I was receiving could not be used in a traditional setting. I was a rebel at 10 years old, but not yet a warrior, so I used the power of love in my relationship to earth animals, friends, and community. I attached myself to the healing power of touch 
and communication coupled with my insatiable desire to aid all who needed me. As I grew, I also became more attached to my country. I understood that America was a sacred place, a chosen part of our Creator's plan. And again, my Seneca grandmothers taught me my connection to Earth and all of its inhabitants. My path was not yet carved, but my higher self ordained my destination. At 18, I joined the Marines. America was at war with North Vietnam. Right or wrong, my country needed me. Friends were dying or returning home crippled, confused, forever in pain. I believed I needed to experience the conflict, to write about it, to help the warriors heal. I understood energy and the absolute power of combining our energy with intention and love to change the negative course to a positive healing one. I didn't yet understand my purpose or role, but I joined with the faith that I was doing what my spirit was intended to do. I passed the electronics test and was placed in a, special, a specialty few women had the opportunity to be in. As I taught male marines the intricacy of repairing radios, I began to realize the importance of this detour in my life. I needed to know electricity and energy in a way that would allow me to help others understand their potential. I needed to know that resistance is a human reaction that lessens our power and that capacitance enables us to charge forward. I needed to find my inner warrior so I could later complete the circuit of my knowledge without fear of recrimination or oppression. I needed to see the results of unimpeded energy, parallel electricity, to more fully understand our human connection to this power. I learned about our own circuitry, the spinal connection that plugs us in, the mind that controls the reaction of organs and tissues, and the conductivity of all energy within our souls. Before the end of my first year of service, I was given another gift, a sudden onset of inflammation in my legs that quickly manifested into paralysis gave me the opportunity of choice. I could choose to believe the doctors who told me I had an incurable, incurable unnamed disease that would forever affect my ability to walk, or I could choose to listen to the physician within and trust natural and Native American medicine to heal me. I chose wisely. Though doctors eventually diagnosed my illness as a female disease with a negative prognosis for recovery, my grandmothers used the holistic approach to determine the cause and offered the advice of specific herbs and lifestyle changes to eliminate the symptoms. It was not until many years later that I learned about the negative aspects of inoculation so readily given to servicemen and women and so indoctrinated in the health care system for our children. My reaction to the many shots I was given was perplexing and ignored by traditional doctors in the Marines, and our children are still suffering and dying today because of mandatory vaccinations. At the end of my tour of duty, I was honorably discharged from the Marines, and I returned to a society and culture deeply involved with mind-altering drugs, judgmental opinions, anger, and rhetoric from the anti-war movement that stated the intention of making love not war. Love, however, was not abundant. Indeed, the opposite was more true. People relied on drugs to alleviate their fears, mend their wounds, cure their inhibitions, and heal their histories. The pharmaceutical companies began rapid and steady growth as prescriptions and pills became the answer to every disillusion, every failed promise, and every hurt, be it physical, mental, or emotional. I returned to a culture where technological communication was being born and proclaimed as the chosen device of survival, and the world of computers was the cutting edge to power. Though my heart told me I should find a way to use my healing gifts, my soul told me it wasn't time. Alternative health was still hidden to many, and medical intuitives were not yet born in the minds of the masses. The gurus of true energy were obscured by data processing the invention of the microchip and the not-yet-conceived dream of a world wide web. I went to work for IBM. 
As a hard-work computer engineer in a field still dominated by men, I had more lessons to learn about the hierarchy of power and how it ultimately affects our ability to take charge of our lives, our health, and our intended purpose. I was locked out of glass computer rooms containing sick machines because women were not allowed to enter or supposed to have the knowledge to heal computer machinery. I was given impossible assignments to complete alone because the wives of engineers feared the possibilities of members of the opposite sex working after hours in locked computer rooms. When my intuition allowed me to interpret and then repair an erratic problem with a machine, my counterparts feared the ability, called it unscientific, and promptly asked to be assigned to any other project where they didn't have to work with the only woman. All of this moved me forward in my understanding of the medical world and the history of medicine. My Seneca grandmothers had told me that medicine meant self-knowledge and taught me to use my inherent intuition to absorb and feel obstructed paths of energy, allowing me to empower sick human machines to heal themselves. They also shared the stories of ancient medicine, and in my research beyond their teachings, taught me the rise of power afforded male physicians, while natural, intuitive forms of medicine, female in nature, were disguised or obliterated. I eventually left IBM and the computer business as a whole, mainly because the stress of the business was hazardous to my health, but also because I was continuing my research into pharmaceuticals versus herbal and vitamin supplements, studying the role of colon health and overall balanced health, and delving deeper into iridology as a diagnostic tool in preventive medicine modality. My Seneca grandmothers, seven in total, were aging. Their knowledge and wisdom had been shared with chosen people, and though I was an adopted protege, it was my duty to honor their teachings by beginning to share my gifts with others. Thus I entered the various modality schools available to me. My back was broken twice by drunk drivers, so I began with personal experience to learn the methods and successes of proper chiropractic care. I had suffered from toxic shock syndrome, but survived and learned more about the textbook methods of Western medicine in dealing with a body in crisis versus finding the cause and eliminating the imbalance. I pursued colon health by asking health food store owners and discreet whispers who performed high colonics and where I could find them. I researched vitamin supplement companies to determine the true ingredients in their products and the consequences of combining different compounds. I never forgot the teaching that herbs were medicine and vitamins were food. I parented children and learned firsthand the consequences of antibiotic therapy and Western methods of dealing with disease. I suffered with the sick and dying and felt the transition that comes with death. The past 30-plus years have been filled with encounters that have tapped every aspect of my education experience, from babies with parasites to senior citizens with water allergies and dogs who needed probiotics. My education and intuition has helped me to help them. America is undergoing a dramatic shift in health care, isn't it? And we're going through this process of trying to fix or cure the whole thing instead of finding the root causes of what's making our health care system sick. Now, some people have finally caught on, but I always feel like they're so slow. Doesn't it just seem like it takes people in government forever to figure out what we've known for months and we've been trying to tell them for, for maybe a year? where we march to Washington and we put all this stuff on our signs and we know about all this stuff, but they don't and they, they seem to get this revelation, maybe we should do nationalized insurance. That would help. Maybe this isn't even allowed in the Constitution. Hmm. Is it? Is the government allowed to mandate health insurance in the Constitution? No. But Nancy Pelosi will tell you that they are, so Harry Reid. Because it has to do with commerce. Well, if it has to do with commerce, why don't you nationalize insurance? Because that's commerce. That's, that's letting you buy insurance across state lines. 
They don't make any sense. And because of all that, because of what I've seen, because of where I've been, what I've done, who I am, and how frustrated I have become, uh, I am using this this podcast and the following weeks as an announcement for my candidacy for the President of the United States. And I am serious. We are putting out uh, press releases next week. We already have another radio show that's been scheduled. We have people voting on the different um, uh, community networks online who have been voting <laughs> since last night on this whole issue, and, and we're gaining votes quite quickly. And I will read to you what I put out on the Internet. And, and you know, I, don't, I watch all the channels, so I can always get a balanced idea about how screwed up people are being. But I happened to watch Glenn Beck when he was showing pictures of New York City, and he showed, you know... Um, the slick glass buildings in New York that you can't see in, but they reflect the future, supposedly. That's the, the uh, architect's view. And then he, he stopped his car and was next to this building that looked kind of crooked and it had been battered and beat up and its windows were cockeyed and looked like they used replacements and, and used windows instead of new ones. And um, just didn't look like the slick buildings, you know. And so I said, you know what, I don't look slick like Obama either. I've I've been through the mill. I've been around the block. I I wasn't given anything. So I said, I'm kinda like that building. And looking at the people who uh, in both parties, which I will not identify with, never have actually, but um this, this ridiculous games they're going through and the, the insidious games that the administration is playing that, that will affect all of you around the world. I know I have more than 350,000 of you now who listen to me on every continent. And it's anything that this president is doing, believe me, the American people do not agree. The American people are not behind him or his little group up in the White House. But... Um, <laughs> The only, we've marched, we've called, we've written, we've, you know, we've emailed, we've tweeted, we've done everything we can possibly do and nobody's listening. The only next step is armed takeover and nobody's ready to do that. I think they might get there. They, they just might. Um, if he tries to sign this treaty or even this cap and trade bill. But you all know, I mean, I think that's why you listen to me. You know that everything that happens here affects you. And what they're trying to do with this global network, this global government affects you, not just us. So I'm I'm looking at this building that Glenn Beck is looking at, and I said, yeah, I'm just like that building. So I wrote this to uh, on several networks on the computer, on the internet last night. I wrote this. I said, I figure I'm that ragged building in New York City who believes in God and country. I've done the community organizing. I've done small business. I've worked for corporations. I've always paid my taxes. Served in the military, traveled the country on foot. I've done the media. I went to law school. I graduated Phi Beta Kappa Summa Cum Laude from SUNY at Buffalo with a double major. I've raised kids, taken care of the elderly, did financial services, did insurance, no health care. I'm a student of American history. I've read Mao, Stalin, Soros, Hitler, and George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, and Mary Jemison. I fought the Buffalo Mafia and won. I fought the street gangs and thugs of Buffalo, New York's west side and won. I believe we should audit and close the Fed, the Federal Reserve. We should get out of the UN, send it back to wherever, seize the banks who have been stolen from us, and start fresh with a brand new Congress. I'd put Sarah Palin in charge of energy. Who knows it better? Michelle Bachman in charge of ethics and ways and means. Representative Bachman 
has been the only one, and everybody hates her for it, for bringing out the truth of what's going on in the House of Representatives. Mitt Romney, who tried to run for president last time, he should be in charge of budget and commerce. The man is a businessman. He understands that the United States is a business, and the government, the, the, the White House and the three branches of government, should only be involved in protecting us, making sure that we have the tools necessary for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that that's all done under a budget and under a commercial understanding. Steve Forbes had put in charge of the Treasury and tell him to get back all the money he possibly can. Ron Paul, in charge of closing the Fed and developing trade. And you know this Sheriff Arepo, who's in charge of, um, he's the sheriff in Arizona? I'd put him in charge of the Justice Department. That's all I know. I don't believe we need a military force, a civilian military force. We have our own National Guard and our Oath Keepers. We don't need a civilian military force like Obama is building up in our youth. Okay? We have a military. And we have our Coast Guard, and we have our National Guard, and our Oath Keepers. I'd send as many troops as needed to Afghanistan, I don't care if it's 80,000 or 580,000. Win that war and bring our troops home. And then I'd let the world know. And all of you who are listening, you can hear that, and I know I had a lot of guys in Iraq and in Afghanistan, So, and my, my fellow Marines, I know you're hearing this. After we won that war in Afghanistan and we pulled you all out, I'd let the world know that if you mess with us, we will blow you away. Otherwise, you go fight your own battles. If you don't respect human rights, you'll deal with us. Don't mess with us. I put real teachers back in the schools with texts that reflect the proud history and heritage of this country, not what they're learning now. There's nothing in there about the Founding Fathers, and, and <laughs> uh, I guess um, the Muslims, you know, discovered America, so... Anyway, I'd change that. The Pledge of Allegiance would be said every morning because this is the country that gives you the opportunity to go to that school. And that Pledge of Allegiance would be said every morning under God. I'd empower, hopefully, the entrepreneurial spirit that built this country while enforcing the statute that stated no country will do business here unless it is good for America. What that means is we've had a law in the books forever that people from other countries would come here and they'd want to build a bridge. Or they'd want to show us how to um, build new kinds of silos or roads or whatever. And, and, and if they presented their case in a good way, we would say, okay, you have a permit to do that. We will check you every two years, five years, or ten years. Or when your project is done, it's time for you to go home. So their right to do business is limited by permit, evaluation, and or the completion of the task. You don't just come over here and take over. I'd get rid of NAFTA and... You know, Canada could complain, but in the end it would be okay because your jobs wouldn't be going elsewhere either. Secure the borders. We're supposedly in a war on terror for nine years now. No border security. Hmm. And I'd clean up the natural resources like water and air, but that would be through directed work programs. We still have the Superfund cleanup areas that were never cleaned up. And I grew up next to Love Canal, not close, so, you know, and I wasn't there that long, but um, the first 10, 12 years of my life, I wasn't that far away. And I know what Love Canal did to people. That's the, the, the where uh, Hooker Chemical dumped all of its chemicals in people and then built a, a housing you know, complex there. And people were living there for years, and their kids were dying, and they were dying, and nobody knew why. You can look up Love Canal on the Internet and learn that story. I was around there. I saw that. So our, we do need to clean up our, our planet, our country. 
our country. We're not going to go clean up China and England and Ireland and Afghanistan and spend all of Americans' money to do it because so-and-so up in the office of the president believes that we should redistribute every penny we have so that he can fly all over on his jet and his cohorts like Al Gore, the biggest, the biggest ripoff and scam artist in the world can fly in their jets and light up their mansions. No, no, no. We'll take care of our country. Okay? We'll drill for oil here, use natural gas. I'm going to push the Chinese out of the Gulf of Mexico. Okay? I'm just this, you know, over 55 short woman. Basically poor, basically disabled from the Marines now. But I have a birth certificate proving I was born in Jamestown, New York. I've only had one social security number my entire life from when I started working at the age of 16. Barack Hussein Obama has 39 social security numbers that he used and who knows how many his mother used. Both my parents are citizens. My maternal grandparents were immigrants from Sicily. My maternal great-grandmother was part Native American and my great-great-great-grandfather fought in the Revolutionary War. My great-great-great-grandmother settled Sinclairville. New York. And I was baptized Catholic but raised Episcopalian. You know why? Because I live in America. I've worked hard all my life. I've picked berries, scrubbed urinals, shoveled sidewalks, mowed lawns, pulled grapevines, tied grapes, driven a taxi, and tried MLM. I've waited tables, short order cooked, and cheered for the losing football teams, especially when I was in Buffalo when the Buffalo Bills lost all their Super Bowls. I've been an employee, so I know what it means and what it feels like to have people who are not as smart as you giving you orders. I've been a manager, so I know what it feels like when you think you're smarter than them and you're supposed to give them orders. I've been a trainer trying to teach people to either be smarter or not, a regional vice president. I've been unemployed, so I know what it feels like to suddenly not have an identity and, and, and wonder if you deserve unemployment funds and if you're going to get them. I know about Medicaid and food stamps and Medicare. I've bought sports cars for cash, and I've been unable to hitch a ride when I didn't have a car. I've been a teacher, a broadcaster, an author, and a reporter. I understand nutrition, chiropractic, massage, reflexology, essential oils, iridology. I still cry at the national anthem and Hallmark greeting cards. I can beat my brother at arm wrestling. I can shoot a gun, ride a horse, and throw a strike. Did you see Obama throw the pitch at the baseball game? I can predict the path of hurricanes, and I can cook. I believe America is a chosen place. And we need to not only remember that, but live up to it. I will not be on TV every five minutes, and I have an ego that's in check. I have a secret clearance, which means somebody had to look into my past. I was the first woman in the country to fix mainframe computers for IBM in 1971. I understand the Internet, and I certainly know energy. My father was an Army Air Corps pilot. I taught male Marines to fix radios. I write historical novels, screenplays, and holistic health books. I will accept no money from big business or lobbyists and will buy no votes or favors. I respect the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, and believe freedom of speech is imperative in a free society. I am going to run for President of the United States. I would appreciate it if all of you out there, especially my not-so-normal listeners, <laughs> but my fans I know will always support me, but the ones who maybe are just coming on for the first time, or the second time. Um, 
keep listening, support me the way, any way you can. Spread the word. Get the word out. Because I don't have any money. I'm not going to have coffers full of hundreds of millions from Saudi Arabia or or hedge fund managers who are ripping off the public. You know, I'm just not going to have that. I just I, Even if I, they tried to give it to me, I wouldn't accept it. And I don't know if I'm going to win, but I'm going to make a hell of a splash trying to do it. I'm running for President of the United States of America. I want your help. I want your support. I want you to do the work. Don't turn away from the other work you need to do by calling your senators and representatives and stopping the cap-and-trade bill and making sure we don't sign this treaty and finding out who's doing what in Congress and stopping them from doing whatever they're doing. Don't, don't do any of that to support me. That is supportive, but, but, you know, spread the word. This is serious. I'll take it as far as it'll go. Maybe all the way to the top. Who knows? And maybe truth will come back. Truth. Not yes we can, but truth is back. Go to earthwalk-usa.com. There's no, no political things up there yet. They don't have a political webpage yet. But you can go there if you're looking for any of the other information that, what, about what we do. and Videos on Obama and the Constitution and the vaccines and books and essential oils. Um, send people to the webpage. They can see the, pod, the podcast there. Until next time, this is Raina G. Thanks for listening.